coming to you from the pit in Royal Grande, California. Your hosts, John Hackleman and Dr. James Casper. It's time for Pitmaster and the Doc. Hey guys, Pitmaster here. I'm here with the Doc. John, good to see you as always. Good to see you, brother. We're gonna. Well, we. It's been forever since I've seen the Doc. Forever. forever. Seems like forever. Seems like forever. <laughs> it was yesterday. We hiked Madonna. Um, okay, so we got a lot to talk about. Um, first things first, let's talk about UFC Argentina, which was a good card. I mean, on paper, I'll be honest, it was like, wah, wah. I just didn't really, I didn't really get that worked up for it, but there was some really exciting moments and there was some exciting behind the scenes stories. So it was definitely worth talking worth talking about. So yeah, I think the fights had mixed reviews, or some people weren't looking forward to them. And I think the UFC has so many events that some of these events, you know, I think the casual fan doesn't even pay any attention to this stuff. But and also when you have fights, was this the first time in Argentina? I have no idea. I think it might have been the first time. So they bring out these fighters, the local people, right, to From fight. Argentina. So they bring out the local fighters, including the main event, but. So I think that has something to do with it. But as we always see in this, this one, sport, though, as we always see in this sport, though, it doesn't really matter how excited you are about the card. Sometimes those great cards aren't very good, and sometimes these cards that no one wants to see turn out to be have some good fights in them. Yeah, and what I was going to say was mo- some of these little countries, um, not little country, but some of these countries don't really have like a lot of good fighters, so they kind of draw from like even neighboring cities or or countries or whatever. But this one has uh, Ponce Nevio, who is not, um, he's not like not a good fighter. He's like he's gonna be a champion. Um, and if not, if he's not a champion, um, Santiago Ponce Nevio will fight for the title. He. He hits too hard not to. His his X factor is he just he just knocks things out when he hits them. It's like he hit Mag- Neil Magny with a jab in the first round, and the fight was over. I mean, for all intents and purposes, that fight was over with that one jab. That jab was right below his right eye. And you have important bones here right below your eye. I don't think he got hit in the actual eye. But, man, Neil Magny was covering his face so he wouldn't get hit or whatever. He was protecting it from the get-go. And not Yeah, he was protecting it. And and he was so defensive after that first punch in the first, I don't know, 15 seconds of the first round. I don't even know. But he would never really mounted an attack after that. I mean, all he did... He did some obligatory attacks, like a little punch here, a little kick there, but they were... He was on the defensive. He was the, the whole Especially fight. round one. He was, like, running. He was against a cage, running away the whole time. And this fight went for four rounds. I mean, it wasn't uh, it wasn't over right after that, for sure. Yeah, and it shows how tough uh, Neil Magny is. Um, but we all knew that already. I mean, everybody knows how tough 
Neil Magli Magni is. I mean, from his uh, personal life, military life, uh, to his UFC life, everybody knows how tough he is. But I think what everybody notices now, and I've known for a long time since he beat Court McGee, the way he beat Court McGee, nobody beats Court McGee like that, um, was he's he just he hits too hard. He just, I mean, he breaks things. I mean, he hit Neil one punch, and the fight was all over. And then he kicked Neil one time, and his leg was over. So, like, everything he hits, he breaks. I mean, whether he kicks it or punches it, when he hits things, they break. He hits too hard not to be champion. Well, those leg kicks, too, were a big story of that fight. I mean, his poor leg. He could barely stand. And have you seen a fight stop for that? Because that, that was one of those things you were watching that going, does he need to keep taking this punishment? He's not going to win this fight. Yeah, but there was a fight. There was a couple fights ago where a guy did that. It looked like he was like hobbling around. Then he came back to win. Which one was that? I guess anything can happen, but man, yeah. But this guy, his leg was abused. It was abused from the first kick. I mean, it, so it was like this guy just hit. He's such a hard hitter. I'm not even gonna say just puncher anymore because that one leg kick to me ended Neil's uh, mobility. He just Neil was tough but he wasn't trying to win he was trying to survive he couldn't i mean he had nothing left this guy took it out of him with a jab so this guy's probably he could be the hardest puncher in in the ufc but it but definitely in the welterweight division and pound for pound i would say right now without a doubt nobody can argue with me uh Ponsonivio is the hardest puncher pound for pound in the ufc boom yeah, it was an impressive display. I don't know where he where Ponzinibbio is ranked, but he's uh, number is 10. 10? Yeah, he, Neil Magny was number 8. Uh, he's going to be number... He should be number 2 right now, or number 1, uh, Ponzinibbio. He just hits too hard. It's like, what are you going to do? You can't block every one of his hits. Eventually, something's getting through, and when it does, it's, it's just going to hurt a lot. So... So there was that fight. I mean, ended in the fifth, fourth round. Um, oh, that how it ended too. That was uh, that ended by knockout. Um, you had to go back and watch it in slow motion to see his head get cranked. He was looking away from the punch, and he got tagged just enough to just put him out. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> He got he he got brutalized. That fight he got brutalized. That's all. He was he was. Uh, so he got he got knocked out. Even when he tried to ride with the punch, I think anything that touches him, just he. It well, was, it was following four rounds of abuse too. Total abuse. So he got hit, and if you watch it, you almost would have to have super slow motion. But his head gets twisted, ever so slightly. But it just goes to show you, it doesn't take much when you hit someone in the chin. Or to get him to turn their head like that to knock him out. So it was a knockout. Neil fell right on his face. I think I think Santiago followed it up with a couple punches and the ref jumped in there. But you look at that and you go, did it need to come to that knockout? I mean, Neil Magny was already incapacitated. He should have stopped in the second round. Yeah, so I don't know. If you were in his corner, I knew you probably would have stopped. I would have stopped. The referee did a good job. I don't think the referee was... Uh, I don't think that was, was Herb Dean the ref on that one? 
It's the main fight. But it was not, there was no point at which the referee should have stopped it when he didn't. I don't think so. But I think the, the corner should have stopped it, I think, in the between the second and the third round. Definitely before the third third and fourth. I, it should have been stopped. What did, the, what did the refs tell you before a fight about the corner stopping the fight? Do they say anything? Are there rules? They say, I don't know if it's still a rule. I've never abided by it. Um, they say you can't throw in the towel. They say that's against the <laughs> rule. They tell you as a corner to go run and find a commissioner, tell him you want it stopped, and then he'll try and get the referee's attention. That's well, like it's, that's like if calling it's bad that enough one. that you need to end the fight. It needs to end immediately. If you're going to throw in the towel, it's not just well, well we get around it, to it. That's why it's a stupid rule. Yeah, it's like stupid. it's like if the cops say if someone's breaking into your house and they have a gun. Call 911. No, you shoot the guy, then you call 911. If you call 911, by the time they get there, it's too late. By the time you're running around trying to find the commissioner, your fighter, it's too late. So you throw in the towel and you ask for forgiveness instead of permission. So what do you throw it at the refs to get their attention? You just throw it in, they'll see it wherever it falls. You just try to, you don't throw it, be, you know, behind them. Um, I've done it many times, never got in trouble for it. it for that? Never, never have. <laughs> no. Never no. have. Because to me, throwing it in is like telling the ref, you fucked up, so I bailed you out. But, I... You, I, you would have thrown in the towel on Neil, and I don't think he would have complained. I, yeah, and I don't, I don't think he I would He took more abuse than he probably needed to. I probably wouldn't have thrown in the towel. I probably would have stopped it in between rounds. Okay, that's fine, But, too. yeah, that's, I mean... All right, so the way that fight ended... Terribly for Neil, he got knocked out at the end. Santiago Ponsonivio hits too hard. He's just he should be banned from any combative sports. He should be banned from the UFC. He's too good. He does not too good. He <laughs> hits too hard. It's not normal. That is not normal. So then we got. I don't know, there's right. a. Let's go to the, the beginning of the card. So the they had the. the card, Cavillo or Cavillo and Botello were fighting. This yeah. is the female fight. Yeah. One of them had a, was out on a marijuana suspension. I think it was Cavillo. I don't know. I don't know either. But it ended in a submission uh, choke. Why is potty legal? It's the dumbest thing in the world. Well, it's not in this state. Well, I know. It's for this sport. It's like it shouldn't be banned. But anyway, uh, Cavillo got, just got a quick takedown and a submission. Bing, bing. She trains with... Uh, she trains with... Um, um, at the alpha male, now I guess it's alpha male slash female gym. Uh, so the alphas, we'll just call them the alphas, the alpha gym. She but, trains there. But this is an example, and if you look at this card of a fight that ended in a finish, but wasn't necessarily the most exciting fight. In fact, I think some of the fights that end in decisions sometimes can be better, and I think on this card that's true. Yeah, there's just, I mean, anytime, but I mean, that's true for any combative sport. You always want a good fight, unless you're one of the fighters. <laughs> then you just want a quick fight. Um, but, I mean, if it's quick, a quick knockout, then, or a quick submission, it's never, you know, everybody wants to see fight of the night, but the fighters don't, believe me. Yeah, it takes a toll on the fighters. You yeah. can win the fight of the night, but you get a lot of those on your record, and you're, those are wars. Yeah. So, so, anyway, that fight was over quick, round one. Uh, I don't... Did we watch this next fight? Guido, yeah. Canetti, and Marlon Vera. Yeah, he was getting... Uh, um, he was getting beaten pretty bad. Um, and um, 
just Kennedy was. Yeah, it just looked like in the beginning. I think it was the second round because the first round was really even, and then the second round, Vera just started turning it up, and he ended up getting. Him. I think it was a rear choke, um, but it was a submission after winning, like with with the hands. So uh, there was that. Then there was our. One of uh, Mark Montoya's uh, guys. Oh, another, yeah, another Factory X guy. Another Factory X this, guy. This guy on the screen. Yeah, it's the guy on the screen, and he, uh, um, man. That's Ian Heinish fought Caesar Ferreira. How do you say his name? He's from South America. Who's I think he's Cesar? from Brazil, isn't he? Ferreira. Ferreira. Um, yeah, he, um, he, uh, Ian just was too, too strong, too, too big, too strong, too fast. Didn't look bigger, so that was the first thing I noticed in the beginning. Is like, Ian looks a lot smaller than Cesar, but he made up for it in, uh, in everything. So he, this was Ian's, uh, Octagon or UFC debut. Yeah. He fought in the Contender Series and really annihilated a guy with ground and pound elbows. So this was his first fight, so it was kind of cool for him. I think I think it was a last minute replacement. Yeah, like he, like two weeks or something. They go fight weeks. in Argentina. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of neat for him and for Mark Montoya's guy. And then this other guy's fought a bunch in the UFC. Yeah, and he looks huge. Um, looked in the beginning like he was gonna be able to control Ian, but then st- starting towards the end of that first round, you could tell that Ian wasn't gonna have it. And from the second round on. Uh, he was able to take Ian down because Ian was just hitting a lot harder than he looked like he was going to because he was smaller than Caesar. But so Caesar decided to, you know, take him down and try to uh, impose his uh, grappling game on him. But Ian was able to pop up every time. Every time. Every so time he could just pop right up. The most impressive thing was Caesar would take him down, but he wouldn't be down for long. He got up out of some pretty tough positions quickly. Yeah. He got taken down multiple times, and yeah. he always got up. Another thing he did that I liked, every time they were in a clinch or anything, he was he was do, he was active. He was doing something. Yeah. He was punching him. He was active the whole time. It was it was a close ish fight. I don't think uh, I don't think anybody was was wondering who was going to win, but I mean Caesar was definitely competitive the whole way. His grappling and and his takedowns, but Ian just looked too strong uh he had too many good combinations inside and he was able to get out of everything not only not only uh takedowns get back up he was able to get out of uh um bad positions right away too so we're gonna see a lot more of uh, ian heinish i don't know what weight that was i think it was 185 i have a feeling ian can make 70 um if i'm not mistaken but like I said, like you said, it was a. I think it was less than a two week, uh, a two week uh, replacement. So he took the fight on really short short notice. So we we will be seeing more of I, uh, Ian uh, Heinish in the near future. Yeah. And he has a really interesting backstory, um, where he got arrested and he spent time in prison and in Europe. Then he spent time in prison in Rikers Island, New York, and. He has a really interesting story. It's it's a it's he looks younger than he is. I think he's thirty. He looks like a kid. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they published you know all around the fights. They published some information about him. I think he wrote a short story about 
his, his journey. But he was like, uh, he was a uh, state champion in Colorado in wrestling in high school. And then he got involved with trafficking drugs or something. He got arrested. He was supposed to go to court and he fled the country. So he was a fugitive for like five years. So he goes to Europe and he starts trafficking drugs there. And he goes to prison in Spain uh, for a while. And he's doing some kind of Spanish wrestling in prison, he said. Yeah. So he's got some interesting, it's some interesting kind of Spanish show. wrestling background. It should be a movie. It will be a movie. So he speaks, I think he speaks fluent Spanish, I'm sure, from learning Spanish there in, in Spain. And then, uh, so then he, they, he gets in trouble in Spain and they said, you have to leave Europe or else you're going to, you will cut time off your sentence. If you just so he's leave. like, fine, I'll leave. So he goes back to New York and he's, he's like at the airport in customs and they identify who he is and they, they arrest him. So, because he was a fugitive from the law for so long. So, how does this guy straighten himself out? He was, uh, I think he was addicted to drugs or alcohol or whatever. And then he's back training and look at, look at him. I mean, he looks amazing. So, kind of an interesting story. He would be a great guy to talk to. Not many people have this path to, you know, to the UFC. Nah, it's interesting stuff. Yeah, some yeah something you'd watch a movie about and go yeah that's not true like <laughs> there's no way that story. It's weird true. that like the immigration he gets he gets like sent right to Rikers. Yeah, that's I don't, weird. Well, I like, think he was thing. in New York, so yeah. I don't know. But anyway, they pulled him out, and he ended up back in Colorado training at Factory X, and doing really well. Yeah. So he, I think well. he uh, turned pro. He's got like twelve fights. I think he's twelve and one now. His first fight in the UFC, though. Yeah, first fight. So in the UFC. he'll be an interesting guy to watch and to learn more about and to hear him talk about his story. Um, We're gonna have him on the show. Yeah, I think that would be cool. I'd love to talk to that guy. We'll have him on the show. All right, next fight, Johnny Walker. All right, this guy came out dancing, and it's his first UFC fight, and he came out. He dancing. came from the Contender Series too, didn't he? Yeah, I think he's another just first fight guy. Um. I think he's from Brazil. Um, he's coming out dancing. His name's Johnny Walker. I'm thinking Johnny Walker. Liquor. Whiskey. Um, crazy that is, they named him Johnny with the last name of Walker, but I like it. Um, but anyway, he comes out dancing. And and uh, he just got in, the, got in the cage and he just looked so calm and cool and, and happy he looked really happy i'm thinking do you know who you're fighting you're fighting like uh you're fighting roundtree bro it's not like it's not like that's like you're not supposed to like be happy fighting you know khalil roundtree especially your first fight but he was and the first kick that landed on his leg he just he's like he was clowning khalil he like grabbed his leg and started making a fight like He's a big dude too. He's yeah. like six five or six six. He's making a face like he's huge. Oh, that really hurts. But he was like <laughs> making this mocking face, and it was like, at first I, I thought it was funny, but then I thought, he, it's not going to be funny if he gets knocked out. He's fighting Roundtree, and then all of a sudden he gets Roundtree. He kicks Roundtree in the head, and then immediately grabs him in a tie clinch. And Roundtree's like nailing him in the face, but he just holds the tie clinch and like. He looks so calm. It too. didn't even hurt. And then he just, all of a sudden, he just picks up one hand and goes about this far, about two inches, and it staggers Roundtree. And then he did it again and knocked him out cold. He just dropped him. 
That's uh, typical, like, just his body shut off. Crazy. He hit him right, like, right in the temple with it was the elbow. Crazy. And you could hear it. It was brutal. He is going. And then he did a backflip. Yeah. He's like 6'3 or 4 or 5 or something. And he did a backflip like nothing. This kid is going to. And then he made, like, he made, like, goofy faces. Kind of like, um, um, yeah, I can't remember. Wordrum? Yeah, Verdum. Yeah, he made like weird faces like Verdum. Maybe that's a cartoon in Brazil or something. But he's he had the same kind of like facial goofing around faces. That guy's a funny guy and he can fight. He's, uh, um, you know, that was his first UFC fight. He's like, he's 12 knockouts out of 14 wins. Um, he's going to be he's going to be back. He's going to be back, and, and I'm interested to see this guy fight. There's another real tall guy like that, heavy, uh, light heavyweight, that's from L.A. I forget his name, but I, I, that'll be an interesting fight. But anyway, so Johnny Walker, a very entertaining, very talented. Can't wait to see what happens with him. So that's another thing about a card like this. That, you know, you got to watch these cards and see these, new these characters. Yeah. yeah, these new guys. So. He's, he's going to be fun to watch, see what he does next. Yeah, we got two. We got Ian and we got Johnny Walker. Like, there's two newcomers to the UFC that are definitely made a huge splash. Yeah, I think so too. So now we got Ricardo Lamos uh, against uh, Darren Elkins. Two not newcomers. Yeah, two very <laughs> not newcomers. I think one's like 38, one's 36. Um, it's basically. Even though Darren does hit hard, he has really sloppy looking punches, even though he does hit hard. But Ricardo has like sharp looking everything. But you cannot you cannot take Darren Elkins lightly. And um It was a, it was an interesting fight up until the end. Um it really was. Uh Darren came back with his takedowns, but he also he also will stand there and, and swing. Even the other person looks a lot sharper than he does, and he has really sloppy punches. He's a lot, if you guys remember boxing, it's a, uh, um, not Noriega, but uh, uh, the guy from Colombia. He was, he was actually a world champion at like 140. Um, and he, he was such a sloppy puncher but he knocked people out. And Darren, Elkin, Darren El- Elkins kind of punches like that. Um, he just has sloppy-looking strikes, but he hits hard. And he can do a head kick. He threw a couple head kicks. So he's pretty deceiving, and he's tough as shit. But he basically, uh, he basically got pounded and uh, ended in the, uh, in the third round. That was a rough stoppage TKO, right? Uh, it was a TKO, yeah. So... Yeah, he was getting he was getting beaten. He, I, don't, I don't think I don't think he argued too much with the stoppage, did he? He might have. No, he I think the stoppage was pretty good on yeah. that one. So that's all we got to say. I mean, it's a good card. Uh, I think I think the main thing about the card is watch for Ian, right? Watch for Ian. He's got a great story. Read his story. It's really interesting. Uh, Johnny Walker is the newcomer. I can't wait to see what he's going to do. Um, and uh, I think that... Um, I think Ponsonivio hits too hard. He should be outlawed immediately from... 
he should be outlawed from the UFC because I'm not saying he does any kind of steroid or anything. He he probably doesn't, but he has an unfair advantage. What do you think? I think that's what we're looking for. Did um court court trained with Ian right? Yeah. Because I think I saw a picture of yeah. court and Ian together. Yeah, he was telling me about them. I think maybe he yeah they've been great training partners. Oh yeah, for they're each great other. training partners. Yeah, yeah uh, court would call me a couple times uh, when he was in camp over at Factory S, and he was telling about this guy, and I was like, wow, he really he he was super impressed with him. So I can't, I'm I'm interested to see where he goes, and his story is a movie. And and Walker, I can't wait to see what what's next with him either. All right, so, cool. What else we got? Let's talk about your pop's book. Oh yeah, my dad published a book, which is awesome. Um, anyway, it's called uh, "Driving with a Teenage Brain." He basically wrote this book. He didn't start it as a book, but when my daughters were getting to the age where they were going to start driving, I think he was more worried about it than me. Um, he, my dad lost his sister in a driving accident. He was a New York State trooper, so he responded to car wrecks all the time. Um, and then he became an attorney and was a legal advisor for the police department where I grew up. So he was involved with a lot of car accident stuff. And so he was really worried about my daughter's driving, especially in California. He was freaked out about it. So he started writing basically a manual like five years ago just for my daughter, for my first daughter that was going to drive. He put a lot of work into it. And eventually it just turned into a book. So it's about, it's basically a book for new drivers for, I think he was going to call it like the first 500 miles. But anyway, what did he call it? Driving, Driving with, with a Teenage Brain. So it does talk a little bit about, in the book, about, you know, your decision-making ability before your brain's fully formed, even though we're giving you a car to drive. Um, and yeah, there's a really a good... 6,000-pound... <laughs> Death trap. Yeah, exactly. So, and there's with a lot, a teenage brain. Yeah, with a teenage, so dangerous situation. And unfortunately, in my line of work, I see a lot of those kids in the emergency room, and I never want to see my, I never want to see any kids in there. But I don't want to see my daughter's friends in there. I mean, that's just, it's just, we live in a small town. Um, yeah. So anyway, he published his book, and he's obviously gave the book to my family, and my daughters, but. Um, so it's pretty cool. He never wrote a book before, but it has a section in it that's really good for parents that's about buying a vehicle for your new driver. Um, I know people that do what I do that have put their kids in some pretty dangerous cars, which is really scary to me. Um, they should be in some sort of tank anyway, <laughs> but yeah, I... um, something visible. Anyway, there's a section in the book for adults, but it's mainly written, the, most of the book is for for kids, for new drivers, about you know just the basically keeping yourself alive uh, out there on the road. Um, so anyway, my dad's book, check it out on Amazon. Check driving, it out. With, driving with a teenage brain. Check it out. Yeah, this is a this is not a good picture. You don't want your kid. There's a picture of on the on the cover of a a fiery crash. That's that actually from shit. my dad's town in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Oh, that was a wreck right in town uh, that he put on the cover. So anyway, it was a passion project for him. Uh, so it's a pretty cool book. I've read it. But anyway, if any of you have kids that are driving or about to drive, it's definitely we worth it. We will reading. have the link to, to the Amazon uh, in this uh, podcast. And, and that's what's going on in my life. But I need to ask you about your, what's going on with Chuck's fight. That's soon. It's coming Chuck, up. Chuck's fight's coming up next, uh, next weekend. Um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's coming up. 
a lot of stuff was going on. He, uh, I got, you know, I saw a bunch of interviews. He said I was going to work his corner. I was going to work with him. I'm not sure what happened, but, uh, but I didn't, uh, um, I don't know what's really, I honestly don't really know who's, who's handling his training and, and all his managerial stuff right now. Everything has changed. Um, so, I mean, he's fighting Tito for the third time. He's beat him twice. I mean, it should be a no-brainer. I hope it is. And, and, you know, I hope he gets whatever he wants from there. But, you know, I mean, to me, lucky, you know, I mean, he's he's lucky to be in a position healthy-wise where, you know, he feels good enough at 48 to fight. And, yeah, I wish him the best. Man, he, he looks good. He looks good. He looks strong. And uh, I'm wishing him the best. He's part of the family. I just... You know, he got really tied up in his training, and 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 um, some other people took over his managerial and his training for this fight. So I, you know, I I you know, I, I made myself, you know, they knew that I was available if they needed anything. I mean, I've already trained him to, like I said, knock out Tito twice. So it's not like, oh, that's new for me. Um, so, but you know, I, I wish him the best, and and I'm sure I'll talk to him soon, and. Uh, and uh, should be interesting. He the way he's been talking that I've heard is, this is not just a one off fight. Like he plans on fighting. Um, yeah. If that goes forward, who else, who do you think would be a good matchup for him right now? I don't know. I mean, it depends. I mean, I I think uh, you know someone that age group. Uh, maybe uh, Vandalay might be a going, or maybe one of the guys that beat him. Who, like Rampage? Like Rampage or somebody, because, like, that would be, like, redemption. That would, like, you know, they beat you, but, I mean, you beat someone twice, it's still, like, you know, it's still a good money fight, you know, Tito has a name and stuff, but, you know, it's like that fat chick, you know, I mean, you've already bopped her twice, you don't want to bop her a third time, it's kind of like, oh, no, no, but, um, but it's a good fight for him, and it's a good comeback, um, but then, I mean, a redemption fight, I think, at this stage would be really cool. Like, I mean, just like, because then just like, it's off your shoulders. Like, but I, I don't know. I don't know what I would set up for him if I was trying to get him fights. I definitely think it would be someone, you know, closer to his age. And there should, I mean, like, like in the, like in, in the majors. I mean, when you can't quite, you know, compete with the guys your age, you, you do triple A. There's no shame in that. That's you know, triple A baseball, double A baseball. I mean, there's leagues like in the, in the, uh, you know, CrossFit. I mean, the fittest people in the world, but once they get a little older, there's a master's division and a senior's division. And it's just, you're competing, you know, just with people your age more. It's a little fair. Just like when you're, you know, when you're 12, you're not going to compete against a 12, 20 year old. Well, when you're, you know, you know, close to 50, you shouldn't compete with a 50-year-old, a 20-year-old either. So, I don't know, that's how I feel. What do you think? Well, I think, uh, and then the other interesting thing is, where does uh, Golden Boy Promotions go from here? Is this going to be a one-off thing? Is this going to be successful? Or are they going to start promoting MMA? Yeah, I don't know. It, just, it looks like on the card, it's like I'm not recognizing anyone. They're adding, it looks like they're adding amateur fights with pro fights. And so, I don't, you know, I don't really... I don't really understand the whole thing because they announced it kind of late. And, and so I don't know. I, boxing is different. And 
Golden Boy definitely knows what he's doing when it comes to boxing, and he seems to be have enough resources where he could definitely uh, parlay that into this. And I'm I'm hoping for the best all the way around. So you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know anything. I'm just uh, I'm actually a spectator in this one. I'm not a spectator. I'm not going. I was actually gonna get tickets, and then I didn't, and then. I was gonna. I was offered. I was actually offered free tickets, and I still don't want to go. I I'll just be too nervous for nothing, you know. Like when I'm working in a corner, at least I'm helping somebody, you know, get out of a situation, or I can give them some good advice, even though I'm nervous as hell. But as a spectator and being completely helpless in helping them, then I'd rather just sit it out. Well, I've seen you with one of your fighters. I've watched that fight on TV with you, and it's something John won't even watch it. Just like leave the room, cover his eyes. I don't want to see it. Um, so yeah, because you're not, you can't do anything. You're helpless. You can't do anything to help him. But. At least when I'm in the corner, the only reason I watch it is because I want to pick up every any little thing that my guy should do more of, or that person is making a mistake of, and then I can get in there to try to help him out. I got I got less than a minute, but I can give them hopefully some some golden tips to help them you know win the fight sometimes it's as much as you know giving them a strategy okay he's circling this way all right as soon as you hear me yell this then throw a head kick and i've done that before and, th and that's work sometimes it's just i can tell my guy isn't pulling the trigger so i just have to spur him up a little like knock him the fuck out or something like that and sometimes that's all it takes and sometimes it's, he's tired, you're not, you need to push it, you know, something like that. Um, so it's all kind of different strategies and motivation in the, in the corner. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like a combination of, uh, of Richard Simmons and uh, the drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket and Tony Robbins. You have to be like all three of those people at the same time in, in a corner. Wow, that's a good combo. <laughs> so all rolled into one. All rolled into one. So, well, it'll be interesting. It will be interesting. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I hope everything turns out perfect for Chuck. Um, I hope he wins easily. I hope he doesn't get hit. I hope, uh, you know, I hope the best for Chuck. He's family, and, 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 and I wish him the best. So. All right, very good, man. Well, that's right. Saturday. That's coming up. The forum in Los Angeles. It is. And it looks like it's going to be on anything you want. So if you want to watch it on DirecTV or Dish or online or whatever. It's pay-per-view and, and you can watch it. You can watch it on any pay-per-view uh, venue. Well, online. good luck. Good luck to Chuck. Good luck, Chuck. For sure. All right, John. Good hey. to see you, man. Until next time.